0: Welcome to our Lord's. I love it when the kids are here and it's like God's doing something with them and through them. Anybody else sense that? Like watch and learn the freedom, the joy. We're delighted. There's an our Lord's way and it involves kids being free and worshiping among us. Glad to be back. Amanda and I drove in last night at one from Florida we just spent a week in Florida, and we drove with Cristoban. The tropical storm, right as it landed, we pulled in. So it's been an interesting week, but we had a good a good time. So, our lords, we are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We gather together like this on Sundays. We gather in homes during the week, so that we can encounter Jesus. And we can receive his, the power of his kingdom. And he has all that we need. He has all the solutions. I was just reflecting this morning on an encounter I had with him about three years ago. And in the encounter... Interesting, huh? In the encounter... He said, I want you to look at different things on the horizon in the future. And what the enemy means for bad, I'm at work. And I was just reflecting, and things began to come to mind. So I saw turmoil between races. And the Lord said, this is because I'm going to bring my church together. I'm going to bring the races together. And so the enemy tries to get in there and spoil it. And then it moved on. I saw something else on the horizon, and I saw sexual confusion and these kinds of things and it's i heard the lord say that it's because he's going to raise up an army of young people filled with holiness and purity who are consecrated to the lord body soul and spirit and then it moved on and i saw political upheaval i saw dc just in chaos and i heard the lord say it's because my kingdom is coming in great power and all things will be shaken. And so friends, when the world is rocked and terrible things are happening, we have the solution because we're in union with Jesus. He is the solution. His kingdom is unshakable. His church is the vehicle for the answers. Is that not right? Ronnie, is that right? So yes, we do. We feel pain deep within and hopefully we pray and we fast, but friends, we, we face the in those areas and many more, and we get to be part of it, because he's good, and he's full of mercy, and so we expect him to bring the races together here, in this place, in the Bible Belt, where maybe that isn't a natural thing. We expect this place to be filled with great variety, because that's in the Lord's heart. You read in Revelation, who's worshiping before the throne? Different types of people together because we're one family. We love each other. We don't give lip service to it. We don't have to virtue signal. No, we Jesus signal. So he has all the answers that we need. His kingdom is powerful, and we get to be part of it. A little uh, note here. Why don't you can put this in your phone or write it down. We have a leadership weekend coming up, and that will be August 14 to 15. We're going to be sending something out hopefully this week, and I want you to mark that. We'll be offering some practical leadership training, and this is a church-wide event. Typically, we invite our leaders and we pour in to our leaders, leaders of groups and things, but we're going to make this a church-wide event. It's going to be a leadership weekend for everyone, and we're going to do practical leadership training and development, and then we're going to talk about becoming a vineyard, and we're going to talk about vineyard vision and values and some of these things that tie into being a people of leadership and building teams. So when is that? August 14 and 15th. Okay, so Connie led us back in last week. Thank you to Connie. Amanda and I listened to Connie's message as we drove through Memphis last night, and I texted her and said, That was dynamite. That was really good. So thank you, Connie, for bringing us back into our series on spiritual practices. And again, she reminded us we looked at spiritual practices, interacting with God through scripture, meditation on the Bible. She introduced us to prayer. I'm going to talk about prayer again today, and then next week we're going to look at fasting, and then next week we're going to look at, at giving, generosity. And so today what I want us to look at is unceasing prayer and watchfulness. Why don't we say that together? Unceasing prayer and watchfulness. What in the world is watchfulness? We will know more about that in a few minutes. So the whole point of this morning, again, if we're looking at spiritual practices that deepen our friendship with Jesus and help us overcome spiritual opposition, I want to just give us some really practical suggestions. We're going to look at scripture, and then we're going to practice something at the end. What I'd like to do first is I want us to look at this idea of unceasing prayer in Jesus first, and then Paul, and then we'll look at watchfulness. So if you want to look in your Bibles, Luke 18, one, the Gospel of Luke, 18, one. Jesus, this is a well-known section where he's giving different parables on prayer. Luke 18, 1. I'm not going to read anything but the first verse, which really introduces the parable. But I want us to see in Scripture that Jesus talks about unceasing prayer. Look at what he says, Luke 18, 1. We'll have slides up here if you need it. This is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Jesus told them a parable about their need to always pray and to not lose heart. This Greek word always is pantote, and it means to keep on praying. That's profound, isn't it? to keep on praying, to not be discouraged, to persist in prayer. It's kind of like what we read Jacob did in Genesis 32. Kids, what did Jacob do with God? Do you remember? Rock, do you remember he ends up wrestling, you got it, bro. Wrestling with God. So what Jesus is saying in Luke 18:1 is to pray Always, to be willing to wrestle with God in love. Wrestle with God. Let God speak to us. Show us what is worth wrestling for and to not lose heart. We saw a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians six eighteen, Paul said, pray at all times in the spirit. When Jesus says not to lose heart, he acknowledges that we tend to grow weary. Anybody get tired? Anybody grow weary? Jesus says, just don't lose heart in the process. Take heart. Realize that the Father wants you to pray always even more than you do. The Lord is more determined for us to be people of unceasing prayer than we are. He fills us with his Spirit. When Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit, We're filled with the spirit. The spirit is prayer. He is the spirit of prayer. He's a person. It's not like we have to strive for something. Ah, I've got to pray. It's my duty. And here it's even more difficult. I have to do this all the time. No, friends. We're in fellowship with a person. The spirit of prayer himself. We fellowship with him. He inspires prayer. He brings prayer. He helps us become prayer. What Jesus is talking about is deep here, unceasing prayer and not losing heart. The parable goes on to say, you can look at it later, but Jesus gives this word picture of this widow who will not let the town judge rest. And here she is over and over again, knocking on his door. I'm here again, I'm here again, I need you to move on my behalf, I need you to move on my behalf. And this unrighteous judge finally says, oh my goodness, you're gonna get what you want because you keep asking, you're persistent. My goodness, night and day, you will not even let me sleep. And so Jesus says, if it's that way for this widow knocking on the door of this unrighteous judge, how much more will the father Give us a spirit of prayer, and then answer our prayers. This is good news, friends. It's not a heavy burden. So Jesus talks about unceasing prayer, and that's just one example, Luke 18.1. Look at Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Another well-known passage about unceasing prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Paul says this, rejoice always. Pray, what's your Bible say? Without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Unceasing prayer. Prayer without ceasing. Prayer as a habit. Prayer as a worldview. I read one commentator who said that. Prayer as a worldview. I surely want to understand what that means. You're so gripped with the spirit of prayer. You're so in touch with God. You're communing with God so that prayer becomes the way that you view the world. When I read that line, I said, I want that. I'm not sure I understand what that is. Lord, give us here at Our Lords the spirit of prayer as a worldview Basically means whatever you're seeing, you're turning to the Father. You're turning to Jesus. You're turning to the Spirit. Saying, we need you, Lord. What are you doing? What are you saying? And this can become habitual. Amanda and I were talking about this. Do you think that this means Paul is saying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're mumbling prayers? So it's all what you know. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. You're at work Phil Suarez is at work, and he's praying our Father who art in heaven, and people are going, Phil, can you just come in? We're having a meeting here. You need to chill on the our Father. Is that the point? Is Paul saying you pray literally all the time? I don't think so. I think that we can move into a place where we have a disposition, a habit, an inner activity, we become prayer. And friends, this doesn't happen in a week or a month. It doesn't happen after you read two or three books on prayer. I've tried it. I tried that in my 20s. I, thought, I heard this is the best book on prayer. Read it. It'll change your life. And I was waiting. So when do I pray without ceasing? Friends, it takes time. Young people, listen to me for a minute. Give yourself to Jesus in prayer now. You're not too young. Do you hear me? Wave at me. Young people, you can be prayers, unceasing prayers who are so in love with Jesus, so filled with the Father's love that you can't help but pray. What what are you saying, Father? What do you want to do through me and in me at this moment? Unceasing prayer is available for everyone. This is not a heavy command, what Paul is saying here at verse 17. Pray without ceasing is not a heavy command. you know what it is? It's a promise. Behind every injunction, every command of Scripture is a promise. So when Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica, he's saying, you will, church, pray without ceasing. You will be in contact with God. You will pray throughout your day. You'll remember God in the night. You'll turn toward him. You'll be people of prayer. And you can do this in a way if you give yourself to it day in, day out, take the long view, you can become a person of unceasing prayer. It's a promise. If the Lord inspired the Apostle Paul to write it, then it's in the Lord's heart for that to become a reality in you and me. I know some of us, you're saying, well, you don't really know me. <laughs> you don't know how my thought life works. Uh, I know enough. I have one too. I have resistance to being a person of unceasing prayer in myself as well. How many of you can be gripped with anxiety from the moment you wake up, say 7 a.m., Feet hit the ground, anxiety comes over you, and through the whole day until 11 o'clock that night, your head hits the pillow, you have been gripped with unceasing anxiety. Anyone? I have done many months of that. You can also, if you have that capacity, then you have a capacity to do the opposite, and that is to pray, to turn to the Lord. And we're going to look at someone in a minute who's going to give us some practical advice on this. But friends, you are made to pray. You are a creature of prayer. You are a creature of meditation. It's just a question of what are you going to meditate on? Will you have unceasing prayer taking root in your heart, turning you to the Father? Like that river rising, leading you into growth in this? Or... Will you give yourself to unceasing anxiety? Or you fill in the blank. Unceasing jealousy. Unceasing lust. Whatever it might be. The Father wants us to be people of unceasing prayer. And this isn't just for monks. I presented all kinds of arguments to the Lord. Well, Lord, I think this is possible. But it was only possible for Paul because he was celibate. And it's only possible now for monks and nuns tucked away in cloister somewhere. One of my favorite desert fathers says, the best is for all. The best is for all. Unceasing prayer is available for rock from the youngest to Ruth and Smokey. Unceasing prayer, the best. Communion with Jesus Contact with his indwelling Holy Spirit. Friendship with him. Ever deepening friendship and intimacy is for all of us. Amen? I like this stuff. What about watchfulness? The second thing. We've looked here at unceasing prayer in Jesus and in Paul briefly. What about watchfulness? What does that mean? I'm going to read a few scriptures here just to give you a glimpse Wet your appetite here, show you that it's a thread that runs through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Deuteronomy 4.9 says this, but take care and watch yourselves closely, so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So that verb there in the first line, take care and watch yourselves. That was early on. It's in the first five books of Moses. Deuteronomy. Be careful. Watch yourselves closely. Proverbs 4.23, another verse about watchfulness. Says this, Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart, church. Watch over it. There's springs. There's water flowing there, and it's either going to be toxic. It's either going to be sewer water, or it's going to be crystal pure, life-giving water for you and for others. Watch over your heart. Jesus says in Matthew 26, and again, we're going to look in a moment at some really practical instruction on this, but Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says, keep watching and praying. He's speaking to his disciples that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep on watching and praying. Are you seeing it? It's an important theme and practice. Colossians 4, 2. Wallace called me a few weeks ago and he said, I'm reading Colossians and I'm just Puzzling. I'm meditating on Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer and be watchful and thankful. I want to share something that's helped me understand watchfulness like nothing else. And if you're interested, Connie and I have a, I think, how many copies of the... This do we have out there? One to the highest bidder, no. But we have some photocopies of about of something that we're about to look at. But there is, in addition to scripture, there is a whole vein of gold, two thousand years of gold, the Christian tradition. And some people say, well, ah, we're about scripture, not tradition. Well, tradition, simply put, is scripture applied good tradition is beautiful and powerful. And so I want to introduce you to something called the Philokalia. Let's say that together, Philokalia, Philokalia. It's two Greek words brought together. It means love of the beautiful. And this collection that has helped me more than anything I've ever read on prayer and watchfulness and unceasing prayer. This is a school of prayer. This is a roadmap into the life of prayer and communion with God. And it's a collection. It's 35 authors from the 4th to 15th centuries. And it's from the Christian East. So our brothers and sisters from the Middle East, Eastern Europe, some of these early church fathers, these desert fathers, someone brought a compilation of their writings together. And it's called the Philokalia because it's about loving the beautiful God. That's what this is about. And we photocopied a chapter, a section out of this for you to look at. Then we've got another one that's that's shortened. But I wanna introduce you to some things. We are Protestant and we love scripture, do we not? Scripture alone, we're people of the book. People of one book, first and foremost. But friends, there's 2,000 years of history of people meditating on the book. And so when we read something like this, it's almost like we get to enter into their quiet time. And we get to see and hear how these people prayed and interacted with God. And so this whole thing is formed in meditation on the Bible. And it is beautiful. And one of my favorite writers in this book is called Hasicius. Hasicius, And he was a man, we don't know much about him, he lived in the 800s, so 800 years after Christ, and they call him Hesychius of Sinai. So he was one of the desert fathers, early desert fathers that lived out in the desert, and he prayed and meditated on Scripture and even served the poor and did some things that early monastics did. But he has a section in this called On Watchfulness. Just bear with me here. This, I'm telling you, if you will listen to me, all right, tune in if you will listen to what he teaches, it has the potential to change your life. You will email me or reach out to me in a year and say, I cannot believe what I learned from Hesychius. Friends, this is something I practice all day, every day, thanks to him. So I read in scripture, I saw watchfulness is important, unceasing prayer is important, but how do I do it? Hesychius modeled it. Connie said one day, she was in my office, she said, these guys are your posse. And I said, that's right. Hesychius is one of the guys in my posse. He has given. He's mentored me through his writings and he's taught me about watchfulness. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. This is a key passage that Hesychius looks at. We're gonna look at a few things and then I'm gonna explain how we do it. 2 Corinthians 10, three to five. As we look at watchfulness, as you're looking there, the scriptures and the Christian tradition, scripture applied, talks about watchfulness being the opposite of a drunken stupor. It's spiritual sobriety. It's alertness. It's vigilance. It's an attitude of attentiveness to God's presence. Who wouldn't want that? Lord, I want to be more watchful, more attentive to you, what you're doing. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, speaks of watchfulness. At verse 3, for though we live in the world, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We were singing about this this morning. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought to make it, we, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Hesychius read this passage and he said, How do we do that? Anyone in here want to learn how to take every thought captive? At least one of you does. Thanks, Jim. Taking every thought captive. Paul uses these military word pictures and he's like, church, wake up. You are in battle. There's arrows, flaming arrows flying by you, perhaps even sticking in you. Wake up, wake up. Those arrows will embed in your mind and turn you from the Lord and turn you back to where you were, take you back into the kingdom of darkness unless you learn to take captive every Thought, it's an ongoing battle. And Hesychius reads this. Hesychius gives a word picture. Listen to this. Hesychius says, watchfulness is a continual fixing and halting of thought at the entrance to your heart. Do you hear that? Watchfulness, being watchful is a continual fixing and halting of thought at the entrance of the heart. And so what Paul is giving here, and what Hesychius is adding to, meditating on, is that you have a city in your heart. You ever thought of that? The Lord has made you glorious. You are made in his image. He has made you a city. What kind of city is it going to be? Are you going to open the floodgates and let any old thing come in and take root? Or are you going to be watchful, like a sentinel, a watchperson at the gate? That is what Paul, what Jesus, what Hesychius is inviting us into. It's like setting up our own TSA. Connie said this in All Saints One Night. She said, it's like setting up your own TSA and you're frisking every thought that's trying to get in through the gate into your city. And friends, there are times when I've had the gates open and it does not go well. I'm letting all kinds of things in there, but there are other times When by the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of God, I am vigilant and I'm watchful and I'm guarding and I'm saying, Lord, help me take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You've made me to be glorious. I don't know about you, but the more I read, I'm like, show me how to do it. Anyone else? It's a great concept. It's a great idea. Do you want to hear how to do it? How to do it? No, sorry. I'm joking. We'll do that next week. No. No better person to look at than Jesus. We're not going to read it, but I'm just going to reference it. In Matthew 4, Jesus is led out into the desert, and he has his first encounter with Satan himself. The devil is coming with very specific temptations, and they're basically if temptations. And he's trying to derail Jesus and his messianic ministry, and he approaches him and he says, If you are this, then do this. If you are the Son of God. If you are. And how does Jesus respond? It is written. It is written. It is written. So what Hesychius does, he says that is the model right there. So the first thing you do, you're watchful. You got to be aware. So you're guarding your city just like Christ was, being vid- vigilant, being watchful. And the second thing Hashkiahs called it counter-speaking. Everyone say counter-speaking. Again, counter-speaking. So Jesus had a specific word to counterspeak the sword. He wielded the sword and he went. And he did it three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. Be gone. And the enemy left him. So Jesus was the most watchful person ever in prayer, guarding the city of his inner life. He was watchful. And he would counter speak. These desert fathers called it rebuttal too. Because they were battling sin within themselves. And they were watching oftentimes the Roman Empire crumble. And and they were overcome with anxiety and all kinds of things. And they learned to say it is written. No matter what temptation came at them. It is written. The Lord rebuke you. So two things we've seen here. Watchfulness and counter-speaking. This is immensely practical, my friends. If you will get a hold of this, I don't care. If you're a student, a mom, a seventh grader, a lawyer, this, if you will practice this, it will change your life. Guaranteed. It's all rooted in Scripture. Watchfulness, counter-speaking. And then the third thing that Hesychia says is use the Jesus prayer. Use the Jesus prayer. He says it's the arrow prayer of all arrow prayers. And if fiery arrows are aimed at us, Scripture teaches us to fire them back at the enemy, and he can't stand. He will leave you alone. If you have an arsenal of arrows to fire back at him, he will leave you alone. You know why? Otherwise, he's going to make you a prayer. I remember one day being so frustrated. I was like, Lord, when is this thorn going to leave? When does the enemy lay off? I was young, pretty naive. And he said, he he doesn't. You can have victory and walk in it, but I use him to make you a prayer, Brock. I was like, whoa, that just shifted everything you mean temptation and my own brokenness can forge me and form me into a prayer, I'm in. So friends, we are in battle. You will be in battle until the day you die. But you can either succumb to it or grit your teeth, and say, or you can say, Lord, unceasing prayer, watchfulness, counter speaking, it is written. How does a young person keep their way pure? By keeping it according to your word, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Young people, give yourself to this. Give yourself to it. Fill yourself with the word of God. Learn to use the sword. Become a prayer, a prayer warrior. And then parents and elders, let's watch the kids do it. The Lord is going to raise up a company of young people. It's going to blow us away. Amen? So we've seen two things. The third thing was the Jesus prayer. All right, we're going to end with this. What is the Jesus prayer? It's 10 words. Who can say it? Wallace. Lord Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Man, Brock, that sounds like what those Catholics do. Maybe those Eastern Orthodox. They do those ritualistic rote prayers. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. You're mistaken. Luke 17 and 18, Jesus gives us the Jesus prayer. You can go back and look at it. But Luke 17, 11 through 14. Some people stricken with leprosy cry out to Jesus as he's coming near. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And then later on in verse 18, at verse 13, you've got a tax collector. He won't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, in contrast to the religious people puffed up with pride. Luke 18, 35 to 39, the blind man calls out to Jesus Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Friends, this is a biblical prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. We're watchful, we're guarding the gate, we're taking every thought captive, we counter speak. It is written. And then we pray the Jesus prayer. These 10 words, anyone can memorize that. Rock, you have it, right? Lord Jesus Christ. If only someone would write a song about that, right? (laughs) Thankfully, we have Brad writing that song so you can put it to song. These three things, friend, tomorrow, Monday, practice it. Say, Lord, give me a spirit of watchfulness and vigilance. Help me guard the city through the power of your spirit. Help me counter speak. It is written, store the sword in you and then cling to Jesus through the Jesus prayer. And friends, it is not a rote, ritualistic, robotic prayer. You are calling out to the most powerful person in the universe, There is no other name that can save and rescue like this name. You might just want to say, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Something comes at you. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, turn to him. And that's what Hesychius and the others write. These people that gave themselves to prayer, to inner prayer. I want to read something here if I can locate it, something that Hesikius said about this prayer. Is that all right with you? Listen to what Hesikius says. And again, this is photocopied out there in our resource center. If you want to read it and look further into this. But Hesikius says this, The devil with all his powers walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, so you must never relax your attentiveness of your heart, your watchfulness, your power, or your rebuttal, or your prayer to Jesus Christ. You will not find a greater help than Jesus in all your life, for Jesus alone knows the deceitful ways of the demons and delivers you from their guile. Lord Jesus Christ. Let's put the slide up here. We're going to end with this this threefold approach. Really clinging to Jesus through the Jesus prayer. What I want to challenge you to do, what is today, the 14th? Is that right? I want to challenge you for the next month. Give yourself to this threefold approach for 30 days. You willing to do that? I think it's pretty practical. We're all attacked in various ways. The enemy tries to come in. And so if we practice this threefold approach, watchfulness, counter speaking, and the Jesus prayer, why don't we stand? I want us to pray this together. And if you've been burned by rote prayers, maybe you've been in a, a liturgical context and it didn't go so well, I understand, but it's a new day. Will you try the Jesus prayer? Again, you're calling out to Jesus. It's a biblical prayer that people prayed to him. It's a Trinitarian prayer, actually, because he is the Son of God. So when you call out to him, you're calling out to the Father. You're saying, Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, anointed with the Spirit. This is a Trinitarian prayer. You're putting yourself in contact with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. So I want us to, we put the slide up that has the uh, Jesus prayer on it, and I want us to just pray it a couple of times. I know we've been doing this some, but I want us to privatize it. I want us to practice this during our week, and I want to hear from you. I want to hear if this helps This arrow prayer that can always be in your quiver, ready to go. I like to break it up in three lines here. Sometimes I just linger with Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll say it, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I'll think about his name. You're the anointed one. You're the savior. You're the son. So let's say it together. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. And again, when we're praying that, we're not begging, we're not pleading, we're receiving. He's so merciful. Let's pray it again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Friends, you can turn this into any situation. It can be devotional where you're praying this through the day. It can be intercession as well. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy for that person. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy in this situation. So, Lord, I pray that you would impart to us today a fresh spirit of prayer, of unceasing prayer and watchfulness, that we would experience this in our bone marrow, that you would make us people of unceasing prayer. And watchfulness because you're good and you're full of love and you want this more than we do. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.